Seriously, Jake, are you kidding me? Freaking guy, I'm right here with the headphones on, man. You could have just said we're starting. Hey, everybody, I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. It's Friday, the 21st of April. Yes, we made it to Friday, and I am Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us for Happy Hour, or Economics on Tap, as we like to call it around Uh. here. Uh, Just a reminder, you're going to be able to watch the video of this podcast on YouTube. And so today we've got some drinks, we've got our news fixes, and then we're going to take a break, and then half full, half Uh. empty. And you look like you just had quite the refreshing beverage. What did you have, Kai? I, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I was torn. I was in the grocery store 15 minutes ago because I didn't know what I wanted mm. to have. And, and so I went to an old standby, Stone FML WIPA uh, Hazy, and FML kind of sums it up right now. So there we go. <laughs> okay. Just leaving well, that right there. I, <laughs> I, um, I'm in the office today, and so I'm operating with... Um, Limited resources here. Uh, so I am having a tequila with tangerine sparkling water, which what, looks what I love is like how you, water. You can find a cocktail anywhere. It does look like I water. You could have gotten away with water. You yeah, totally I mean, I can. did have some, I actually do have some bitters here, but I thought that was going to be a little too much. Keep if, it simple. If, if I was trapped on a desert island and we had to make a cocktail, I would want to be with you. That's all I'm saying. Yes, indeed. I, I would come. I would whip up something probably involving coconuts. I was just going to say, we would have something coconut water-ish and you'd distill <laughs> yes. something and, you know, we'd be all right. And then we wouldn't care if we yeah. were stuck on a desert island. I don't know. Yes. Uh, it was a whole yes. Empire right. of the Caribbean like that. Exactly, uh, exactly right. News. Exactly right. Uh, what, news. What's yours? You go first. All right. Okay, I'll go I'll first. Go first. Um, mine. <laughs> Bridget Bodner back to senior produce on a day where the hosts just go, what are we even doing? You go first. You go first. It's that kind of day, isn't it? All right. Mine, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because nobody wants to hear about elections and politics any earlier than we have to. But I did want to put a pin in this Washington Post story. It's an exclusive where basically... They got wind of a GOP donor conference and a Hmm. Republican legal strategist uh, named Cleta Cleta Mitchell, who, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because she was one of the main lawyers pushing the election denial and trying to overturn the 2020 elections with Trump and company. And ended up having to step down. And you probably saw clips of her if you watched any of the January Mm -hmm. 6th hearings. Big name Republican lawyer uh, who really pushed a lot of these spurious uh, election fraud claims. Right. So she was speaking uh, to GOP donors over the weekend. And I'm going to read from the post here and told them that they must band together to limit voting on college campuses, same day voter registration and automatic mailing of ballots to registered voters. This is what was in her PowerPoint uh... presentation. Oh, go ahead. I'm so no. I, I was just going to say I'm so glad you made this your item because, in all honesty, I, I saw it. It kind of went by me. I didn't really concentrate on it other than the, we have to limit voting on college campuses. But I hadn't put the two to, two and two together on the Cleta Mitchell as the one who did this thing. Wow, just wow. Yeah, and you know, there's a strategy, you know, and PowerPoint presentations, and this is not like yep. the official GOP strategy. But she does have a group and is talking to donors, and they are really pushing this. And hmm. you and I discussed the, the it's called the Election Integrity Network is the group, yep. and it's. I, I you and I discussed this <laughs> the last time there was a presidential election, 
if your strategy to win is fewer people voting, that's 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 a problem. And I saw it put. Yeah, yeah. No, keep going. I'm sorry. We got we got some. There's not really much else to say. It, but democracy is not a spectator sport. We'll leave it at that. Yep. I saw it put really well today on Twitter, which I am weaning myself off of. But it <laughs> said whoever it was posted. You know, the the team that's winning doesn't try to change the rules. You know? Yeah. I, I just, and I, I don't know, I just don't know. You know, I've kind know. of avoided talking about Twitter just because I'm over it in many ways. Oh, yeah. But there was an interesting piece in, that I, I shared on Slack from, I think, New York Magazine, which had a great headline. Now i got to find it. I think it was something like... Uh, Twitter frees its hostages, <laughs> which oh, <yeah. laughs> basically, uh, yeah. no, I'm sorry. This was, uh, yeah, this was New York Magazine Intelligencer. And it's basically making the argument that by removing all the blue check marks, which effectively is what happened today uh, or yesterday, yeah, yesterday, that Twitter is giving in some ways an out to the people who were kind of on the fence about whether or not to stay mm-hmm. because it, now, if you do remain, still have the blue check mark, you're kind of outing yourself as somebody who paid for Twitter. Exactly. And exactly, it doesn't mean that you are who you are anymore. And yep. anybody could be, you know, not that I'm recommending anything, anybody could be you on the internet now. Totally. And, totally. But I'm very curious about what this is going to mean for, especially in our industry, how people assess reach and authority and credibility because people have spent years i mean decades at this point building brand identities and based on twitter followings right and i've heard from friends about people who didn't get jobs because their twitter following wasn't big enough because they were looking for someone who is an established name and who had a following And so what's the new proxy for that going to be? Is it Instagram followers? Is it TikTok that's followers? That's such a good is question. YouTube shorts? Sorry, that, like, that's a story. That's a story. You should do that story. Okay, I'll do Seriously. that story next week. What, what's the proxy for that, right? Because it matters professionally. It matters mm-hmm. reputation. Well, that's a really good story. What is the proxy for Twitter? Because as you said, people got, got and lost jobs because of that. That's a great idea. Well, and also developed authority. I mean, think about all the people over the years that we've had on the shows that had an idea and got a big following and then they became a celebrity or an expert in the field or a known person in the field because of that. Where's that discovery going to come from? The other interesting thing I saw about Twitter um, was another Washington Post story, which I'll find and share in the show notes, which was about all the people who were behind the deal for Elon Musk to buy Twitter, like all the different financing groups and individuals that helped bankroll it and the varied interests that many of them have. And Mm -hmm. this idea that, you know, the Saudis bankrolling Elon Musk taking over Twitter and now Twitter kind of falling apart as Mm -hmm. a community for activists and journalists, Mm -hmm. in many ways it serves them, right? If you're talking about the groups that maybe don't like activists and journalists gathering Absolutely. and getting together on this platform, then 
this is kind of the ideal outcome. You know, for a woman who wasn't really going to talk about Twitter, that's a very considered and thoughtful uh, soliloquy right there. Honestly, yeah, I mean, it really was. It really was. Oh, yeah. The Twitter, really, the thing really we love was. to hate now. I know, right? All right, what's your news fix? All right, so so mine's a quickie. We'll just, we'll just uh, blow on past it. So yesterday, I was all about car repossessions and how things are maybe not so great because mm-hmm. car repos are up and car loan delinquencies are up and, you know... That's bad for a whole lot of reasons, labor force and people getting to work and all that jazz. Here's a good sign, again from Bloomberg. They're, they're, they're picking out a lot of tidbits, actually, Bloomberg is. In New York City, the other day, for the first time, transit system ridership hit 4 million for the first time since the before times. Now, average ridership in the before times was about 5.5 million, so we're not back there all the way yet, but the first, for the first mm-hmm. time, we're at 4 million. So this talks a little bit about um, cities coming back. This is a good indicator. It's a positive indicator. It's an economic vitality indicator. Here's another one. Box office, movie box office for the first, uh, let's see, January, February, March, for the first three and a half months of 2023 is on a par with the first three and a half months of 2019. So people are going back to cities, to the urban core, and people are going back to movies. Now, part of that movie thing is because of the Super Mario movie, which I just, for the life of me, don't understand it. Although one of my children is just dedicated to go seeing it, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, but but look, so yesterday was maybe not so great. Today is, you know, maybe actually quite a bit better. And thus you have the conundrum of trying to figure out what to do about this economy. If you're Jay Powell or Joe Biden or Kevin McCarthy, this economy is confusing and policy is uh, challenging. I'm sorry, I'm actually just debating with myself whether or not I should have said Biden and McCarthy because really they're just politicians and it's all mostly for show. So Jay Powell, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Let's leave that in. Bridget, as you go to edit this, just leave that whole thing in. It's always better to hear me think in real time. <laughs> yes. Uh, are you going back to the movies again this weekend? Are you going to go see Super Mario Brothers? With well, the... we, we, we've, we've got a 16th birthday in the house, so that ah. is taking up most of the weekend. Also, I have no desire to see Super Mario. I don't understand why my 21-year-old son, who's just gaga over this movie, I just don't get. Dungeons and Dragons I might go see, but not this weekend. You I can see Sabri's pot. Oh, yeah. Bowl. Oh, that's right. So we should give the plug. Oh, we talked about it when Sabri was on the show. So, Did yeah, you? Sabri okay, good. has. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, he, his, one of his bowls has a cameo in the Dungeons and Dragons movie, Sabri Beneshore. Um, I think I might actually go to the week the movies this weekend. There's a new anime film out. I mean, it's it's not new. It's new newly released in the U.S. called Suzume. And, you know, I love anime. And so I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go see that and and i was i was chuckling to myself when you said i don't understand why my 21 year old son wants to see super mario brothers and i'm sitting here like i'm planning to go see a cartoon this weekend (laughs) well yeah but uh, so so look all right uh never mind i'm I'm only gonna get myself no go for it go for it it's fine well look so anime is don't at me people when you hear this anime is sophisticated it is art it is uh, a genre. Super mm-hmm. Mario is not to disparage video games. I know there's a lot of art and creativity and dialogue and all that stuff that goes into video games, but it's a video game. 
from like back in the day. Like pixels and, you know, pay 25 cents in the arcade video games. Yeah, but it's still a franchise that puts out new games with some I, regularity. Uh, all right. I, I was not aware of that. So I'm a little detached <laughs> from reality here. But honestly, uh, whatever. Anyway, I, see, I told you I was going to get myself in trouble. Let's move on. Yeah, shall it's okay. We? Look, I'm not much of a gamer. We'll ask Daniel <sighs> Shin to come and explain it to us. Uh, okay. Oh, is he a gamer? That's interesting. Oh, That's yeah. Interesting. He's a gamer. He, I, he cool. Anytime Very there's cool. like a gaming thing, I'm like, I just ask him. He knows all the answers. That is so uh, interesting. Huh. All right. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. You go. You just you just jump in. I took a beat. You go. <laughs> <laughs> we are so off today. <laughs> it, you know what it is actually. So sorry. This is a little behind the scenes stuff. When I'm mm. in my shed and you're in your condo, the connection is quicker than when I'm in my shed and you're in the marketplace bureau in Washington. Really? That's so fascinating. Uh, it 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 certainly feels like that. I mean, Sculler yeah. will tell us one way or the other. Stephen Scholar, who's in charge of all things technical. We'll see if Bridget leaves this in, too. Anyway, we're going to go now. It's the news <laughs> fix. That's done. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back half full, half empty. Drew Jostad is going to rescue us from ourselves. Okay, uh, this is our wonderful game, Half Full, Half Empty, where we go through some of the news topics from the week, and you tell, well, no, we tell you how we're feeling about them. <laughs> oh, nothing about there the coverage there. wasn't that much there. tequila that in it, it I swear. Oh, Lord. We oh tell you how Lord. we were feeling about these issues, half full, half empty, and it's hosted by our very own Drew Jostad, who is indeed going to save us from ourselves. Drew, please. <laughs> Half full or half empty, I'm paying your taxes in cash. Oh, so I did an interview this week with a guy at Boston University who, full disclosure, is writing a book on the benefits of cash and has very strong feelings about the use of cash in this economy. But he tried to pay his taxes with cash, and it is remarkably difficult. And the thing about it is, look at a dollar bill. Legal tender for all debts, public and private. But if you go to the IRS and try to give them your money in cash... It's it's ridiculously hard. I think it should be easier, half full. Half full only for the reason that he brought up in term uh, in the interview, which is like mm-hmm. accessibility mm-hmm. in terms of not every there's people who are unbanked, people in emergency situations um, when cash is the only option, and just yeah, uh, I think it should yeah. always be a relatively easy option until we like. Until and if we decide to just drop cash altogether. Yep. Yep. Okay. Reddit has announced this week it's going to start charging AI large language models for access to its posts. Are you half full or half empty? So this is a story that um, Matt Levin did for us because of Reddit. Because Reddit announced it's going to start charging for big AI companies using all the data. There are billions of posts, and what uh, some of these language models do is they they just scroll through those and teach their algorithms how to basically speak English and create stuff. Um, it It is a really valuable thing, and Reddit has decided it is going to charge for it. The challenge, of course, is that Twitter has also started charging for access to its API. 
and that bugs me. So I don't know how to feel about this. I'm half full because okay. I feel like it is a step in the direction towards acknowledging that user-generated content has value that you can put a price tag on. And perhaps that is a step towards some of that value being passed back on to the users who generate said content. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can, you know, sign up for one of those things with your credit card where you fill out a bunch of surveys and you get reward points, right? Because they're tracking what you're doing anyway. But if you volunteer to give them additional content and information about you, you can get some value back for giving your right. opinions, right? And I think that especially as we sort of scatter to the different parts of the internet and there is even it it becomes more and more difficult because of the settings on Apple's iPhones and the various paywalls that are being put up on Twitter and on Reddit, it's going to be more and more costly for companies to very easily scrape data and learn mm -hmm. a lot of things about a lot of people quickly, which means that somebody's going to be making money off providing that access and information. Yeah. Now, can we then take the next natural step and have some of that value then return to the actual users? I don't know. Follow so I'm going to say half full because I'm going to be hopeful. Money. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll buy that. Okay. Sure. All right. A new survey has... Summer internship numbers expected to be 9% higher this year than last. Are you half full or half empty on internships as a tool for recruiting in a tight labor market? As long as they're paid, I'm all the way full. That's interesting as, as a recruitment tool because, you know, when I was an intern <laughs> many, many ages ago, uh, it was <laughs> in the height of the recession and there was very little hope that these things would turn into jobs. And oh, that's so now you have people, it's a tight labor market and people are desperate for new employees. And I guess you lure them in at the intern stage and just try to keep them in your pipeline, which makes sense to me. I mean, always be nice to the intern. You never know when they're going to be your colleague. So I'll go have fun. Always. Yeah, always. I agree with Kimberly, and I think it's interesting because I think interns now, uh, the good ones, right? And not to not mm -hmm. to make value judgments, but there are interns who are great and interns who are you know doing other things and they don't have full time and whatever. But uh, I think interns hope, not expect, but hope to be offered full time employment at the end of a a successful internship, and and I think that's a change from. I mean, look, I was not your run-of-the-mill intern when I was 34 at KQED, but but I think it's a change from certainly when I started in this business, you know? I, don't, I, I do wonder how it is in other businesses. I, I mean, I think that there's not necessarily that direct connection. Like, you, yeah. you don't do an internship at the, you know, New York Times and the Washington Post as a, you know, junior in college and think they're going to hire right, you right. Uh, as a reporter. You do it for the resume builder. Same with law firms. Right, you go intern right. at a prestigious law firm to sort of build up your, your credibility for whatever you end up doing next. Um, but if you're struggling to hire, you know, take them mm -hmm. how you can get them. So yeah, Tell half full. Market. Why not? You bet. Absolutely. Same, same. Half full or half empty on revenge dining. 
I don't know. I'm what always going to go half full on revenge anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what it oh, is. Oh, man. Because I'm petty. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> yes. Whatever. Yes. What is it? What More is this? This would be related to like revenge spending, revenge travel, but like mm. after the pandemic, continuing to have elevated demand for dining out. Oh, interesting. Huh. Sure, restaurants struggled a lot, uh, and those that survived, you know, let them get whatever business they can. Although, I don't know what it's like in L.A. right now, but in D.C., you pretty much have to have a reservation for everything if you're going hmm. out because everybody's so short-staffed. It's very hard yeah. to just walk into a restaurant and sit down the way that you used to be able to. Um, but... You know, hmm. sure. Revenge dining. Go for it. Knock yeah, yourselves out. Totally. Same, same. I agree. Half full. All the way full. Are you half full or half empty on a possible strike by the Writers Guild of America? Uh... <laughs> Abstain. <laughs> well, look, people ought to be paid what they're worth and what they're owed, and the dynamics now have changed since the last WGA strike. Hang on a minute. Bonds! Bonsai! Bonds, come here! Come here. Sorry. Dog interruption. <laughs> um, so, look, people ought to be paid what they're worth. And the economics of the industry have changed since the last WGA strike in, I don't know how many years, but it's been at least 10. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't look, it's going to be terrible for those of us who are the content consuming public. But y you got to people pay people what they're worth and give them a slice of the profits. I find it interesting in this dynamic how they're trying to protect themselves from uh, ChatGPT and other AI tools yeah, writing yeah. their work. And I have to imagine they're calculating the risk that if they do strike, then people will lean even more on those tools oh, to create content, so which in some ways could weaken their bargaining you hand. Know, you don't think there would be hell to pay? Because ChatGPT, as we've talked about on this program and elsewhere, mm -hmm. um, is, is f as amazing as it is, right, is really flawed. It is really flawed, but, you know, if you're writing lines for a sitcom, it might be able to pull that up, pull that off, I mean. So, okay, so this is really interesting. Another random Twitter insight. Uh, I was mm. scrolling through Twitter today, and somebody had asked ChatGPT to do a dialogue scene in the style of Seinfeld, which for those who are not up to speed on mm. that, and I imagine most of our audience is, but you know, it used to be a sitcom from it was a sitcom from the nineties. So the scene was Jerry talking to George, and George had just had his blue check removed. <laughs> and I will try to find it afterward. But it was terrible. Okay. It was it was very much Good. in the style of Seinfeld, but it was terrible. And Elaine came in and, and all it was terrible. It was boring. I don't think Chat GPT can write things that people are gonna want that people are gonna want to watch. Truly. Well let me counter this oh. because I was scrolling okay. through TikTok because I still haven't <laughs> let that go. <laughs> and I saw a video of a young woman who was complaining about like her dating life and so she decided to ask ChatGPT to help her build a prof a dating profile on Hinge 
And so uh, for those who are out of the game on Hinge, it gives you these prompts for questions that you have to answer and things like that. So it she had one, the AI tools like take an image of her and make it like your stereotypical beautiful girl and kind of alter her appearance pretty drastically to look yeah. like sort of blonde, extra skinny and like in all these settings that right. were not real. Right. But right. So fake photos, and then she just gave the hinge prompts to Chat GPT, and then just plopped in whatever Chat GPT said, and she had like hundreds of likes when she woke up the next morning. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because she was like, "What is it?" <laughs> anyway, this is this is so off topic now. Well, uh, it's, so it's yeah. our show. We don't, we decide yes. what the topics are. That that's yes. that's the name of the game. Huh. Yes. Bridge is going to cut off. All right. This. Anyway, what, is Drew. there anything else, Drew? <laughs> Kimberly's done. I'm happy. I don't know. This all is right. George Costanza. It's all good. All right. <laughs> yes, that is it. Us for. <laughs> wow. <sighs> that is it for us for today, for the week. Thank God. <laughs> We will oh be back goodness. next week. Ooh. I will be better rested. And please do not forget, we are going to have today's pod posted on YouTube later. So thank you for watching if you're watching it on YouTube later. Uh, unless Antoinette just says, you people are out of your minds. It's I'm like not putting not this on today. YouTube. And I quit. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Secret today's episode was engineered by Jake Cherry. Drew Jostat wrote the theme music to Half Full, Half Empty. Antonio Barreras is our intern. Who's a great intern, by the way, in the categories that we yes. were talking about earlier. The team behind our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg, Emily McCune, and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. Almost made it. Very nicely done. No, I think you made it. I think if we, if we pull up both tracks, the fade of the theme <laughs> and you will match. <laughs>